in English, I go for refuge until enlightenment to the Buddha, Dharma, and Supreme Assemblage. By the merit of listening to the Dharma, may I achieve Buddhahood for the sake of all beings. So what are the, do you remember the three distinguishing features that a teaching must have, that te- the teaching that we decide to practice? Uh-huh, good. Scrub. Spoken by the Buddha, okay. So if the teaching has been taught by the Buddha, if it has been clean of errors by sages, and if it has been uh, brought down to us uh, by master practitioners through an unbroken lineage, then we can trust it, then we can decide to practice it. Okay. All right, now we're gonna move on now to almost probably, probably take another paragraph or so today. Okay, so we're on page 53. Uh, so now we can put the first verse into perspective. Lord Tsongkhapa is saying, as far as I'm able, I'll explain the teachings on the three principal paths. It is that excellent path 
that all the victors, holy sons, command with their praise, the path on which they travel. It has no error. It goes no mistaken way. It is the highest of all doorways. It is the entry point for those people of good fortune who are seeking freedom. Uh, this is one of the this is the what you might call the old-fashioned way of uh, commenting on a text is to take the text, say it, and then add to it to, to sort of expand on the sort of explain the meaning. Okay. As far as I'm able, so the the part that is in, in italics, these are the words, actual words that the that Jason Kappa wrote. And the ones that are not italic, uh, these are the ones that Pabon Kanimboche is adding to it to further explain what Jason Kappa said. The words, as far as I'm able, in the verse, are in general put, are in general put there by Lord Tsongkhapa as an expression of modesty. More specifically, they have the effect of saying, as far as I'm able, I'll explain something of as great meaning as can be put into a few words here. There is another way of glossing the verse according to which the first line of explanation, the one that includes the words all high teachings of the victors refers to renunciation as chanting the name say the renunciation of all three vehicles lie in the end of a single vehicle the point is that the Buddha in some of his teachings which should be interpreted rather than taken literally said that there were three different vehicles or ways these three, though, are really only one from the viewpoint of the ultimate end in which they lead. In a similar way, all the high teachings of the victors were, were enunciated as a means to produce the ultimate renunciation, the Buddha's knowledge, within the minds of disciples. And renunciation is what, at the very beginning, urges one to develop a disgust for the cycle of life and set his mind on reaching freedom. This is why the attitude of renunciation is thought here first in the first line. Almost getting there. Right. Uh, it's an interesting way that Pabunka Rinpoche interpreted that line, all high teachings of the victors. He said, oh, by all high teaching of the victors, uh, Jason Kappa was referring to renunciation. And then he quoted a text that says, the renunciation of all three vehicles lies in the end of a single vehicle. And this is uh, bringing uh, another kind of teaching, the teaching about what, what is interpreted, what is to be interpreted, what is to be taken literally. 
the, the teachings and the teachings of the Buddha uh, ever, ever since uh, I guess Mahayana form of Buddhism got uh, into prominence so it was said that the the, the Buddha taught teachings and and the teachings were supposed to take disciples to 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 different to different uh, to different uh, goals. The first goal was uh, Shravaka Arhat. The second goal was Pratika Arhat, and the third goal was supposed to be Buddhahood. So these are supposed to be the three vehicles. But there was a one other teaching where the, where the Buddha said that uh, all these teachings eventually are supposed to take you to, all to, the ultimate, to one goal, and that's Buddhahood. So it doesn't matter if you're right now practicing and then you end up being a, a, what is called a Shravaka Ahat, somebody who reached Nirvana, where when they're in that Nirvana, they are no longer able to uh, go into the world and uh, and do anything. And one more uh, realization, which is higher than that, is Pratika Buddha, and, and and it's the same kind of nirvana where they they reach a, a goal and then they when, while they're in nirvana they're no longer able to help others. The difference between Shravaka Arhat and Pratika Buddha is supposed to be that. Uh, uh, the Shravaka is no Shravaka means disciple. It means the person who achieved Nirvana achieve it achieves it under discipleship. While they are a disciple of some teacher, they reach it. And it is said that um, the Shravaka, the knowledge that the Shravaka Ahat uh, gains is less than the knowledge that the Prateka Buddha uh, gains. And the Pratika Buddha is, means a solitary realizer. So that means that this person uh, didn't achieve nirvana under discipleship, under direct discipleship. So it is said because of prior practice and prior uh, study in previous lives, they got so deep into the teaching that the momentum still carried them in that particular life. And then somehow they go into practice, into some, uh, into some solitary practice on their own and through their own effort in that life, they reach their goal. And, it's, and it is said that uh, they achieve uh, a little bit of higher knowledge than, uh, than the Shravaka Ahat. If you were to make a comparison, someone like, uh, it would be like uh, the Shravaka Ahat knows everything about the earth, the Pratika Buddha knows everything about the solar system, okay? and the Buddha knows everything about uh, everything <laughs> about the entire universe. Okay. The Shavaka Ahat is solitary realizer. The Shavaka Ahat is a disciple. Uh, disciple, I mean, uh, listener. Listener, Listen, listener, listener Ahat. Okay. Yeah. And Pratika is a solitary realizer. Yeah. And and that's why they call solitary realizer. And sometimes the the expression that is 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 uh, used the way it is translated is self-made Buddha. And that sometimes confuses people. 
when you, see, when you hear self-made Buddha. So you, uh, it, it, you might think that the Pratika Buddha is another Buddha, is a Buddha. Can okay. um, uh, achieve that, that status in one lifetime, or is it two lifetimes? No, in one lifetime. Okay. Yeah. But, but uh, you could say the practice started in the previous life. Okay. Yeah. Right. So it, it, and the reason that it's called solitary is because in the life when they achieve it, they no longer need to be under the discipleship of, of, of a teacher. Mm. And there was a, there's a, a beautiful, uh, mm, what that? Well, there's a beautiful sutra where the Buddha is giving an analogy of uh, how is it that the, the, the how is it that there, there is, uh, to explain that there is really one vehicle. Even though the Buddha taught three vehicles, he said there are really, there, there's really one vehicle. In the end, there's only one vehicle because the Shravaka Ahat, the Pratika Buddha Ahat, eventually will become a Buddha. Uh, and how exactly, how is that done? That's some sort of secret that the Buddhas have. Eventually, the Buddha will awaken the Shravaka Ahat, or awaken the, the Pratika Buddha Ahat, and put them on the, on the path to become fully enlightened Buddhas. Okay. Exactly how is that done? Uh, you have to become a Buddha to come to know that. <laughs> okay. So since eventually they will end up being a Buddha themselves, that's why the Buddha said, uh, 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 in the end, there's only one, there's really one, ve one vehicle. And the reason that uh, the other two vehicles are taught is because of the dis disposition of, of sentient beings. Uh, it is, uh, and the analogy that the Buddha gave is like a, a very rich merchant or uh, goes out on business, and when he comes back, his house is on fire, and his three sons are, uh, are in there. And then the sons don't know because it's, no, it's, it's a big house. So to get them, how, how does he entice them to come out of the house, the burning house? He offers them things. He offers one a golden chariot, he offers one a silver chariot, the others one a bronze chariot. And the one who's attracted to bronze takes the bronze, the one who's attracted to the silver takes the silver, no one's attracted to the gold, the gold takes the gold. But eventually, even though one is on a golden chariot, one is on a silver and so forth, the, 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 the thing is they all come out of the house. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm. And the thing about uh, the pointed, uh, in some of his teaching which should be interpreted rather than taken literally. Interpreted and this is something that is of a, a, a big uh, uh, I would say debate even up to now. Well, I guess the debate is sort of settled in a sense that now there are different camps. Not that uh, all the different uh, camps have uh, have agreed. Okay, I, okay, this is this this set of teachings will be take are literal teachings, and this set of teachings are to be interpreted. Just that now, this camp says these are the set of teachings to be taken literal, literal. and another camp says no, these are the teachings are to be taken literal. Okay. Um, according to so the Madhyamika are the ones the uh, who says that 
the, uh, the teachings on the perfection of wisdom, any teaching that the Buddha, when the Buddha is teaching the perfection of wisdom, the Buddha is being literal. And it's a teaching such as the Heart Sutra, where the Buddha is saying there's, there are no, there's no this, no, no eye, no ear, no nose, no tongue, things like that. And they say this is, this is, this is when the Buddha is being literal. And when the Buddha is talking about samsara, nirvana, he's talking about uh, uh, suffering, he's talking about the path, he's talking about those other things. There is a path, there is the Four Noble Truth, there is that. And you say, when the Buddha is t- in those teachings, the Buddha is being interpreted, being, is not to be taken literal. The Buddha, you have to interpret this. Okay? And then, of course, uh, this, the other schools, like the mind only school, say, when the Buddha is teaching uh, those teachings, when the, when the Buddha is, is, is talking about, of course, mind only school, the things that the mind-only school uh, take as being uh, the highest meaning of the Buddha, they say, oh, that's, that's when the Buddha is being literal. When the Buddha, is teaching, when the Buddha was teaching the, 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 the perfection of wisdom sutras, he was, he was not being literal. He was being interp- you have to interpret that. Okay. When he says there is no eye, there is no nose, you have to interpret it. Okay. And, of, and of course, the other schools say, no, when the Buddha says there is... Uh, there is suffering, there is nirvana, that is, that is being literal, and the other ones are, are being uh, are figurative. And there's a beautiful uh, teaching by Jason Kappa, uh, uh, the literal and the definitive, it's just, that's just the name of the book that, that he wrote. And he, in there, of course, he takes the position of the, of the Madhyamikas, but, but he says, uh, in the end, it's up to you to decide. Because this guy says, this is literal, this is figurative, and this other guy said, no, this is literal, this is figurative. And, and Jasangaba said, well, in the end, it's up to your own, your own reasoning to decide what is literal, what is definitive. Okay. And this whole thing about what is definitive, what is literal. It really comes from uh, groups forming around teachings where they are, where groups are having suspicions about this particular teaching. Uh, I'm not sure this particular teaching has come from the Buddha. And then groups having interpretations of of, uh, of the teachings of the Buddha, where they where they sort of accept another teaching, like uh, groups that are uh, not every Buddhist accepts the the perfection of wisdom sutras as being authentic words of the Buddha. They think that they were made up by by followers. And there are those who accept those teachings, but they don't take them to be, uh, they take them to be, uh, or the Buddha was being, being, being poetic, okay? He wasn't being uh, literal, okay? Now, the ultimate renunciation. Now, it's interesting the way, the way he, Pamukkha uh, <coughs> says, the Buddha has knowledge within the minds of disciples. 
That's what it calls the ultimate renunciation. And when you think of renunciation, you think of you know, giving up something, turning away from something. And he interprets the ultimate turning away from something, the ultimate uh, giving up. He says that's the Buddha's knowledge. Now, how is that a knowledge? How would you interpret that to be a knowledge? The ultimate giving up, the ultimate turning away. In what way is this knowledge? What would you say? It's to turn towards something that can really help us to grow the samsara and not to be a fixed on object that makes us more in samsara. Yeah, that, that's the usual interpretation of uh, renunciation. Mm-hmm. Uh, just how is ultimate renunciation, how is that connected to knowledge? Not just any knowledge, but the Buddha's knowledge. True nature of reality. Yeah. And how is it connected to renunciation? Because with that true nature of reality, there's no reason to be attached to all the worldly things. Mm. I'm sorry. Mm. I'm getting there. <laughs> okay. So, it, so that's the turning away, turning away from uh, renounce, uh, ignorance, turning away from grasping to uh, things having inherent existence. So that that that's like like the ultimate renunciation, ultimate turning away. But the Buddha's knowledge is, isn't simply that. The Buddha's knowledge also uh, has to do with uh, 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 omniscience. So do you think he's talking about omniscience here? Or just renouncing uh, wrong view? Renouncing grasping to inherent existence? The, the, last, the last sentence of this paragraph, and renunciation is what at the very beginning urges one to develop a disgust for the cycle of life and set his mind on teach, reaching freedom. And this is something that is very difficult to, to, commun- to get to, communi- to communicate to um, people, people who are not inclined to, to uh, to any philosophy that talks about leaving, leaving, leaving the world behind. And they are even turned off by this notion of developing a disgust for the cycle of life. And there might even be a, f- a, 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 a kind of fear when you hear develop disgust for the cycle of life. And that fear might, might be connected to the, to the, to the sense of, of uh, if I give up the cycle of life, then what? And that, that's, you could say that's because they're not, re- they're not looking towards uh, the other option that has been presented also. So in renunci- renunciation isn't just turning away from the cycle of life, 
but it's also aspiring towards something. That's why it says the mindset on reaching freedom. And if you don't really understand what freedom is, you will never develop a discuss for the cycle of life. Because you're not, you're not, pro, you're not giving your mind an option. And if you don't give your mind the option other than the cycle of life, then you, in, in a sense you're sort of presenting to yourself what you might call uh, if uh, it's like, it's like uh, presenting to someone uh, 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 a suicide as an option. Okay. And, and, and someone who's, uh, who's, uh, interest, someone who's uh, interested in, in committing suicide, someone who really wants to end their existence, they think that by doing this, I will end my existence. They don't think that, oh, well, I'm tired of this one, I mean, let, me, let me try something else. Right? So, are you convinced about a practice that makes you, that will help you develop a disgust for the side for life? Are you interested in such a, such a practice? Do you want to develop a disgust for the cycle of life? Do you? You want to develop a disgust for the cycle of life? Why? You're unhappy here? <laughs> You're not having fun? Not enough. Is it possible to end existence? No, it's not possible to end your existence. If we use the word disgust differently, mm -hmm. why would you know not a, like a dislike? You dislike. Know, there's a circle mm -hmm. and disgusted, but <coughs> if your goal is to see freedom, I mean, if I'm hoping to get born better, you know, as a human or a god, mm -hmm. why would that be? Why would I? completely disgust or dislike it. You know, I, I, mm -hmm. there's a desire to be out of it, but yeah, yeah. is there, is the disgust not to, yeah, I mean, this, yeah, I've been playing with the words a little bit. Uh, do you think it's too strong? Dissatisfaction? Dissatisfaction. Dissatisfaction? You don't like the word disgust? Yeah. It's too strong? I it's semantics. Yeah, I know. I mean, just it's a sort of like it's a realization that it happened. I mean, you, 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 you don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to not like uh, uh, the, the cycle too much. You want to like it a little bit, at least. <laughs> I want to believe in it. <laughs> that it, 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 it. If you keep going around, you actually achieve it. <laughs> The reason that some people have uh, uh, either consciously or unconsciously a, a hesitation with developing a, discuss, a complete disgust for the cycle of life is that in the developing a disgust for the cycle of life, there, there, it, there, there might be a tenet, there might be a... a uh, viewing the discuss, not discuss for, discuss for the cycle of life, but discuss for, 
for happiness itself. Yeah. And nobody in their right mind can make themselves develop a disgust for happiness. And since the cycle of life is the only place where we have had any taste of what is called happiness, so if you develop, if, if to, to, you might think that to develop a disgust for the cycle of life, you have to discuss, develop a disgust for everything connected to it, and then you have to also, since happiness is connected to it, you have to also develop a disgust for happiness. Okay. So that's where some people make the hesitation. And that's why uh, when uh, people, when you, probably the first time you heard this, the first time I've heard this, uh, uh, you say, you thought of, wait a minute, yeah, I know there's you no. Know, sometimes you know, things are bad. Sometimes you're sad. Sometimes bad things happen. But you no, know, there's good stuff in it in here. Just, you're happy in here sometimes. Should I get rid of that too? That's usually the question that that people ask, because they think that's what that's what this this is referring to. Actually, because of the happiness that we've tasted here, that is why we should develop disgust for the cycle of life. And since the happiness that we've tasted here is something that is desirable, something that we would like to have all the time, then how do we have this happiness all the time? Then we have to have a disgust for the fact that in here you don't always, you're not always, you cannot always find that happiness. Mm. Okay. So mm. why they don't say we should develop disgust for suffering, sickness, aging, and death? Then, if they were to say that way only, then we, we, we would be attached to what appears to be happiness. Mm -hmm. Because what appears to be happiness is what keeps us here. It's not the suffering that keeps us here. Mm -hmm. It's what appears to be, to be suffering, to be happiness. Okay. It's not the happiness itself that we, that, that, that we should be, have the disgust for. But we, have to, we should have a disgust for what appears to be happiness. Okay. Yeah, and my thought was, the dog, without disgust, I want it to be born better. But that being born better just makes it suffer differently. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Instead of suffering as a dog now, it suffers as a human being. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't like the dog here then. <laughs> uh, I think they're having a, a debate as to which life is higher than the other. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so this is a Pamongan Butcher continuing to explain. Uh, so the second line, the first line, it says, refers to all high teachings of the victors, refers to renunciation. The second line of the explanation, the one that includes the words, their holy sons, refers to the wish to achieve enlightenment for every living being. This is the attitude that all the victors and their sons take as their single most important meditation. And the attitude whose praises they sing. 
It is like a great center beam that holds up the entire structure of the greater way. As you can, uh, bodhisattvas are usually refers to, referring to as uh, the sons of, of the Buddhas. And, and one of the... Uh, is that snow outside? Uh, it's snowing. So I'm a bit distracted there. <laughs> <laughs> They say what's they say that, that was it. Yeah. Never mind. One of the the one is considered to be a benefit of becoming a bodhisattva in that you are you are called a son of the of, of the of the of the Buddhas. So when 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 the, Jason Kappa wrote in, the, in, in, his, in his work, their holy sons. So that part he was referring to, you know, he was referring to uh, uh, bodhicitta, which is the wish to achieve enlightenment for every living being. And bodhicitta is referring to as the center beam. Every pra- when, once, once you've entered the bodhisattva path, Bodhicitta is your practice. Bodhicitta is your main practice. Whatever you do is just an embellishment on Bodhicitta. Bodhicitta is your teacher. Bodhicitta is your practice. Bodhicitta, Bodhicitta is your ultimate goal. Now the third line of explanation, the one with the words, the fortunate seeking freedom, refers to correct view. And he's going to explain that. This perception is the one and only entry point for disciples who seek for freedom. To achieve freedom, you have to cut ignorance, the root of the circle of life. And to cut ignorance, you have to develop the wisdom which realizes no self. And to develop wisdom, you need a correct view free of all errors. Okay. Uh, correct view is the single door to nirvana, to peace. And so it is that the great Tsongkhapa, in the closing words of the verse, pledges to compose his work on the three principal paths, which include correct view. His pledge is made in the way described, prescribed by Master Dundon. He abbreviates it within all the topics to be treated in the work itself, which here would be, would be to say, includes within this pledge every essential point in the entire body of the path to be explained. In this sense, our Lama concluded, Lord Tsongkhapa had, in the first verse, already taught us the essence of the path. So. Just like uh, <clears throat> when the Buddha came from under the Bodhi tree after seven, seven weeks of trying to figure out who can understand this realization I've just gained. And finally, uh, um, he was uh, encouraged to leave the Bodhi tree and go teach. And the first set of disciples that he taught, he taught the Four Noble Truths. 
and just upon hearing the Four Noble Truth explain there is suffering, suffering as a source, there is a path, there is a, there, there's cessation, and there is a path to that cessation. And the first disciple, having heard this, reached Nirvana just, just, just from, just from the, those, those, four, those four. And the Buddha now had to say the same teaching again, but elaborating upon it. And having elaborated upon it, then the second disciple achieved Nirvana. And the Buddha taught it again with further elaboration. And, and because of that, the other, the other, then finally all the disciples, all the first five disciples reach uh, Nirvana. And they, they, they reach it in this way, by the Buddha giving elaboration, just elaborating on the Four Noble Truths. So, so in the same way, if you, you were an exceptional disciple, just by reading the first, the first verse, as far as I'm able, I'll explain the essence of all high teachings of the victors, the path that all the holy sons command, the entry point for the fortunate seeking freedom. If that's all that you were able to hear, you would, you, you, would, you, would get, you would not have to read the rest of the book. Okay. You would get, you would get it right just from that. Then you have to study all this. <laughs> you have to study all the book. <laughs> and read the commentaries to them. And practice them. And in uh, some other lifetime, when you hear only as far as I'm able, I'll explain the essence. When you hear the essence of all the high teachings of the victors, you go, oh, renunciation. I've got to renunciate. The path that all the holy sons come in. Holy sons. Wow. Okay. Bodhicitta. The entry point for the fortunate seeking freedom. Fortunate seeking freedom. That has to be correct view. <laughs> and you won't need any further explanation because you already had it already. Okay. Okay. All right, let, let's. Oh yeah. I think you can quickly read the third verse and maybe get into the, the meaning of it uh, some other time next Sunday. So, encouragement to study. We have now reached the third and final of the preliminaries that lead into the composition of the text. This one consists of a strong encouragement by the re for the reader to study the, the work well and is contained in the next verse of the root text. Listen with a pure mind, fortunate ones, who have no craving for the pleasures of life, and who to make leisure and fortune meaningful, strive to turn their minds to the path which pleases the victors. And if you read it backwards, if you want to turn your mind to the path that pleases the victors, if you have already the intention, I would like, I would like to get on the path that pleases the victors, that pleases the Buddhas. I want why? Because I want to, I re realize that I have leisure and fortune, and I want to make this leisure and fortune meaningful. Why? Because I 
I realized what our pleasures in this life are not worth pursuing. I don't have any, any craving for the so-called pleasures of this life. And because I have no pleasures and no craving for the pleasures of, of, of life, I count myself among the for, those who are fortunate to have such. To have such. And because of that, I, I, uh, I will listen. I will listen as purely as I can to these teachings. Okay. So if you want to, so to listen with a pure mind, all these things sort of must fall into place. So if you find yourself not listening purely, as purely as you, as you can, it's because, because you don't really have already these kinds of renunciations in your mind. You don't consider yourself fortunate to have encountered these teachings. You know, uh, you know when you, if you if you were to uh, while you're walking outside and all of a sudden you 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 find a uh, a sack of uh, gold, you would say, "Ah, I'm fortunate." And the only reason you would call yourself fortunate is because you you, you realize the value of what you have stum stumbled upon. If you uh, if you were a, a fly and you happen to stumble upon this bag of gold, you wouldn't consider yourself fortunate. You might even say, oh, I'm, so I'm such a miserable person. Yeah. But if you were to stumble upon a bag of uh, excrement, <laughs> then you say, oh, no one is more fortunate than me. <laughs> okay. So if you don't, if you're not someone who's seeking, if you don't, if you don't see your life as something that is uh, that has that this kind of existence has flaws in it, if you don't see that it has flaws in it, that there is something better that you can, that you can go for, then you you may not find the teachings on the path to go beyond this life as worth your worth your time. And if you don't consider, you could have, you could have uh, realized, oh, that's gold. I'm fortunate to, to have dis discovered this. But if you think, well, there's nothing I can do with this gold. You don't consider yourself to be worthy to, to get this gold. And you, you will not pick it up. So you might think that, you might think that your life, uh, there's some flaws in, in your life, but you, you, you think, well, I'm doomed to it. And this, the, the, and you encounter. I've I've encountered this somewhat this philosophy a lot. That you know, it's just the nature. It's just existence is this way. You you cannot get away from suffering. There's no such thing as getting away from suffering. And to hope to get away from suffering, you just is just adding to the suffering. Okay, you're stuck. It's just the way. That's just the way. Just the way na nature is. There's just suffering there. You just have to bear it. There's no such thing as getting away from suffering. And this idea that there is a path that leads to it is just people making things up. People, people who are not able to cope or, or people who are just uh, using coping uh, or just trying to cope with this inevitability. Okay? And a lot of people have this uh, as a conviction. And probably some of us have these convictions 
in some degree in our minds. That's why perhaps we don't see ourselves striving on the path the way we want to, the way we would like to strive on the path. Because some part of us think that either we, don't, we are not worthy or we, are not, we, we, we can't really do it, or we're not convinced that there is really an escape from, there's, there's an ultimate escape from suffering. We don't, we, we are not, we're not completely convinced. So in order for us to even consider ourselves fortunate so we can listen the way, the, the way Jason uh, Gabba uh, is, is, is uh, entreating us to listen, we have to do some other kind of work. We have to come up with a conviction is there really, a, can you exist in such a way where there's no suffering whatsoever? Is there something beyond, is there, can you ex, is there an existence beyond this kind of existence? Okay. Unless you convince yourself of that, then you will find yourself uh, not picking up the path with the enthusiasm that you would like to pick up the path. I think uh, we'll start now. Uh, has anyone any questions? No. Okay. So finally, we are we are reaching the end of the preliminaries. Is it going to be another blizzard or just a little mm -hmm. flurry? Just a little shower. Just a little shower. It's no 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 shower. It's So the prayers. Sashi Pagi Junshin Dotan Brera Lynchin in the Gambandi Sange Jindu. Let's read the English verse. Here is a ground anointed with incense and flowers strewn, with its mount mirror adorned by four continents, sun and moon. Visualized as a Buddha field, I offer it to the merit field. May all beings partake of a supremely pure Buddha field. Itam Guru Ratnamandalakam Niyotaya.
Let's quickly put this virtue in the bank before it loses some of the interest. Kewadi Kewokun, Sunam Yeshet of Goshen, Sunam Yeshet Hachongwe, Tambakunyetobarsho. By this virtue, may all beings perfect the accumulations of merit and wisdom and achieve the two holy bodies that arise from merit and wisdom. Okay. <coughs>